messages today. The first one was a great message. Now the second one is going to be even a greater message. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I know here's the man that likes to talk to you and tell you about God's way. And he's got a, his sermon. That, his sermon today is called Work Out Your Own Salvation. Mr. Barnabas Grayson. I want to thank you too, Ron, for the song service because after you've traveled a long way and uh, you don't have music to go along with it, it's a great service to all of us to be able to, uh, for, for you to lead us in song. So thank you. <coughs> John is passing out the uh, outline. Well, it's the last day of the year, of course, you already know that. The year is uh, going by, there's going to be memories of good and bad, and the year ahead will likely be much the same, but we shall see. But how many will be prepared for, what, for whatever comes? How many will be ready? And how do we get ready for what may come? For some, it is a time to turn over a new leaf to make resolutions, they call them New Year's resolutions, as you know, some do at this time of year. But as we look into the word of the eternal, we come across scriptures that tell us about the great salvation that is coming at, the future, at a future time. So we can kind of look into the future somewhat and, and see what's going to transpire, the good and the bad or the bad and then the good. Now we find guidance and instruction to how not to neglect so great a salvation that we find in the scriptures that gives us things to think about as we go along in daily life, year to year, season to season. For God, we know, and it's been told us also, that he is preparing a people to bring in, along with Jesus Christ, a new world order in the establishment of the kingdom of heaven on earth. But we know that it will be a straight and narrow way that many may disagree with and contend with by seeing things their own way and not according to the words of Jesus. So will we be resolved to continue at least until the Passover season to at least renew ourselves? to look forward to what's ahead, to the good things that lie ahead. Now, have you ever heard someone say, do your own thing? Do what you believe is right? Be true to yourself? Especially when questioned about matters of conscience or faith or, or religion. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, there in the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul said, work out your own salvation. Now, does this give us, from the Bible, 
permission to work out one's own belief about being saved, about salvation. I mean, that's why we're here. That's why we believe in the word of God. That's why we pray. That's why we fellowship with one another to help one another get along in life and also be saved together, if at all possible. But what did Paul really mean when he said that? As we know, you know, Peter said that uh, the writings of Paul uh, are hard to understand and that some have wrested it to their own ruin, to their own destruction. But what did he really mean? So today we'll look at, uh, to, we'll look to see what was meant by that statement to work out your own salvation. And you may already have uh, been giving some thoughts to that particular statement. But he also said to work out your own salvation with trembling and fear. So we have a caution if we intend to work out our own salvation as many think it uh, might mean. In our world today, there are billions of people whose lives center around a certain belief, a certain faith, a certain religion, and concepts that may have a relation, that is in relation to a higher power, whether it be to some group or to some uh, human or to a deity or a false god. So we know that there are uh, many religious uh, people, Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, Christians, Masons, and other groups who live according to the teaching of their religion. Now, I mentioned Masons because in their book, Morals and Dogma, it says that every Masonic lodge is a temple of religion, and its teachings are instructions in religion. So there are many religions that people have access to to find purpose and direction in life. We find it in the pure word of the Lord our God. So religion is defined as a belief in a divine and superhuman power or powers to be obeyed and worshipped as the creators or rulers of the universe. What uh, Webster's dictionary tells us. As mentioned today, there are hundreds of religious orders, denominations, and gatherings, large and small, where like-minded people can form a support group with similar beliefs and aims. We here are but one group out of hundreds or more seeking to do the right things and in the end receive the reward of everlasting life. Now, there are some who sincerely believe that one does not need to be a part of any organization or assembly or church choosing to follow Christ in their own manner according to their own understanding, choosing to work out their own salvation. But we see that there are cautions that we are to do it with first with fear and trembling because we don't want uh, to be wrong. We want to be right in what we do. Being human, of course, we're all fallible. We all make mistakes. We all go the wrong way at times. So the scripture tells us, as one caution, to live by every word of God. One of the resolves as we look into the future, to the coming year from henceforth, 
will we be resolved to live by every word of God. We look to the word of God, John 17, 17, because it says the word is truth. Thy word is truth, it says. Sanctify them through thy truth, it says. And it is the truth, as seen in the scriptures, that sanctifies us. And what God has inspired, we know it is accurate. It is true. And that his word is truth. And it has sanctified each and every one of us from the false ways of the world and false things that we uh, often hear that exist in the world. So it is the truth that is found in the word of God and that shall set you free from false, uh, fal falsehoods and teachings. It sets us apart. In the book of Psalms, it's not in your outline, but Psalms 119, it says that thy word is true in its entirety from the beginning and every one of thy righteous judgments. So from the old to the time today, thy word remains true. And we come across scriptures that, you know, caution us from, you know, working out our own salvation. For example, Proverbs 16.25, it says that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of ruin, or of death. So sometimes in our reasonings, we think, well, we can do this or that, and it might seem right, but in the end, it's not working out. So we learn from that. And in Jeremiah 17.9, it says that the heart is deceitful above all things, who can trust it? Who can know it as, it, as it says? And then there's James, chapter 1 and verse 22, that says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, be deceiving yourselves. Now, in verse 23 of James, it says, If any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself, he looks at himself, then he goes his own way, and straightway forgets what manner of man he was, what manner of man he saw. So there are many, you know, who may go to church, they go to hear, perhaps be moved by what they hear, what is said, and I know that I come across many preachers on TV. I don't stay on them very long just to see what they're saying. And, you know, uh, they're the kind of uh, preachers that people really love to listen to, to move great crowds with their preaching. And one may wonder, well, at the time, it all sounds good, but do they do accordingly when they leave? Now, even as I read the Word of God and I study it and preach it, I, I myself am looking into the mirror of God's word, and I have to act upon it. Now, we all have good intention. The spirit is willing, as it says, but the flesh is weak. We know that our world today is filled with violence, wars, bloodshed, immorality, perversions, corruption. You see it on television. Many doing their own thing and thinking it's right. Thinking that they have the freedom to do as they please, and they do. But then 
They reason to their own destruction. So they're followers of their own ways. And I think society, and I probably you agree also, that society is doing itself in. And it may seem bad now, but scripture says, evildoers shall wax worse and worse, many seeking their own way. So in the word of God, we find good things that are ahead, but at the same time, we also see bad things that are going to be coming about. And we need to be ready. We need to be resolved to not linger in the way the world is going. So Philippians 2, verses 11 through 13, it says to work out your own salvation. So Paul is reminding the Philippians of many things. And he's saying in verse 11 that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So everyone needs to confess, needs to realize who the creator is, that he exists, and confess that Jesus is Lord. Wherefore, verse 12, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. To do of his will and to do of his good pleasure. Not their own will, not their own good pleasure, but according to the will of God. So Paul was exhorting the Philippians to live the Christian life with a call that will show unity in fellowship, and in belief toward him. Philippians uh, 12, or Philippians 2, it says that we should let God work in us to obey his will. And the only way we can obey his will in working out his salvation is by study and is by using the Holy Spirit to the will of God. Verse 1, if there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ. Notice these words, those two letters, if. If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through vainglory or strife, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Uh, on down to verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, he's talking to the Philippians, who, who, whom he tells to work out their own salvation, as you have always obeyed, obeying the will of God, not as in my presence only, but much, but now much more in my absence to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So Paul is saying to them, just as he's saying to us today, to put into practice what God, through the Spirit, puts in them to live in. They were told to work out that uh, salvation that God is giving them through his word. For it is God, it says, verse 13, for it is God 
which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So it is the Lord who enables us to do his will and his good pleasure. And it energizes us. It works in us that makes us both willing and desirous to do his work. Not ours, but his. So as we read the word of God, there are times when it really wakes up our faith. It energizes us to do the will of God. But, you know, sometimes the desire or willingness may not be there for one reason or another. So how do we work out God's will to do his good pleasure? In Hosea, you know, it says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because not many put their noses into the word of God. Now, it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's giving salvation to us. And it is his will that we follow along his teachings, the teachings of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16, about holding forth the word of life. It says to do all things without murmurings and disputings, everything we as believers should do. The word do here, it suggests uh, to be done continually, to be done at all times. Why? 15, verse 15. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, without, that is, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Verse 16, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So for Paul, in giving them examples as living as a Christian, it will mean joy for him when he, in the day of Christ, for him to look back at those he was teaching to be holding forth the word of life and by his, his example that he has preached not in vain. So if we slack up and we let our light grow dim, if we grow weary in serving the Lord God, we may give over to the ways of the world which leads to ruin. The Living Bible translates those words, those verses this way. It says, in everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing. So far, I haven't seen that, you know, in the church. But being human nature as it is, you just keep praying that it won't be. So that no one can speak a word of blame against you. You are to live clean, innocent lives as children of God in a dark world full of people who are crooked and, and stubborn. Shine out among them like, beacon, like beacons of light, holding out to them the word of life. So the studies that we have made, the preachings that we have heard, the feelings that we have about the gospel of God, that it gives us a light that we can take to the world in some way.
But grumbling and complaining, you know, reflects a bad attitude. Now, the Apostle Paul, in speaking these words to the saints at Philippi, he was telling them and all that to work out their salvation that God has given them through his words of life and not let it slip and come to nothing. So to be seen really as an effective church, as an effective believer in the community, the Philippians, they needed to get things straight in their own gathering first and have unity. But evidently some of the uh, Philippian believers were complaining among themselves and not shining as lights in, in their world. And that would lead eventually to division. So as a result, non-Christians, a crooked and, you know, a crooked and perverse people, cannot be uh, attracted to Christ by the bad attitude and disunity of some which you know, can reflect upon the whole. So all believers of who we are also are called on to live out the salvation that God has, is working in us by growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Today, most people in the world have turned their backs on the eternal and his truth. And the Philippians, as we read from uh, that chapter, that they lived in the midst of a crooked and depraved and obstinate and a wayward and disobedient and perverse generation. And we can see that happening in many ways in our world around us. So is the world today any different from that time of the Philippians? Paul's message then to the saints at Philippi is the same for us today. Verse 14. In everything we do, it says, avoid complaining and arguing so that no one can speak a word of blame against us. We are to live a clean, innocent life as children of God in a dark world full of people who are crooked and stubborn. We know that at times we are weak, at times we are wayward, at times we do not act the part of a Christian. As the commandment says, to not take the name of the Lord in vain, to claim, to be, claim ourselves as a Christian but go opposite the beliefs and the character of a Christian is taking that name in vain. But we should be holding out to them the word of life. Then when Christ returns, said Paul, how glad he will be that his work of teaching the gospel of salvation was worthwhile. And, and in many ways, some of us have spread what we know and that could turn people to God. Ephesians 2, chapter 1, beginning chapter 1, you has he quickened. Verse 1, and you has he quickened. So we can take this you as a, a very personal address to us who were dead in trespasses and sins, or, you know, some more than others, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, as many are now doing who are out in the world, according to the prince of the power of the air. So there is an influence in life that causes us to go astray and go along with the way of the world, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. So when we see these things happening, we know 
that there's a spirit of disobedience that is working in them. Might try to tell them what to do, but you know, they're just going to come back on you and say, I'm working out my own salvation. I'm doing my own thing. I'm not hurting anybody. But, verse 3, among whom also we all had our conduct, our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you, you are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So there are many glories, there are many mercies, there are many blessings and beauties that is in store. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, you know, by what we do, or what we, uh, in our deeds, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. <laughs> if I've been talking this long, it says 3.30. 2.30. Okay. This is... Uh, Okay, I thought, wow. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Unto good works, not bad works. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made close, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We look at the world today, we know that there are many who are on drugs, alcohol, up to bad behavior, thievery, and so on. It's because they're away. They are far from God. They don't really, sometimes they don't really want to know what God wants of them. Ephesians chapter 4, endeavor to keep unity with God and, of course, one another. Paul says, I therefore... The prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. Instead of creating our own gods in our own minds, or going after the gods as they are professed by other religions, there is one God and Father, who is above all. But unto every one of us, unto you and me, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now, as some of us have experienced in the past, we've seen how disagreements and contentions have divided the body in various places. But can two walk together unless they be agreed? So there has to be agreement. There has to be unity. There has to be a common bond. That bond is love. And God is love. In organizations of man, there is give and take that can lead to contention and confusion. But there is none righteous, none perfect. And in times past, some of us, I know I have experienced the fallout and have had you know, to make a choice on whether to follow one church or one person or another. But in 1 Corinthians, we see where the Apostle Paul said, to be you followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now, we may follow someone as long as they follow Christ. But what it all adds up to is really, in the end, that we have to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. And we do that through the teaching of his word, the direction of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. Philippians chapter 3, starting verse 14, Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, we have these bowl games going on, and there's the prize of that, that uh, bowl trophy, that glittering, shiny uh, piece of metal that everyone as a team is just striving to get. Our prize is like, you know, where it says in faith, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. We see everlasting life. We, we know of the kingdom of God that is to come. We know of salvation, and that is the prize that we are looking to together. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall re reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Churches like ours, and churches that are close to ours, we can, you know, go to, and you will detect that there is a, a familiar vein, a similar vein that goes on in, in the same faith. So, brethren, Paul said, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us, for an example. So we're all examples in some way. Verse 18, for many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, you know, the, his salvation, what he died for, and that for us, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. So we don't want to mind earthly things. For our Conversation, our conduct, is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. 
from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So come what may, in the next year or the years afterwards, this is what we look for. We look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So we know that our bodies are weak, everything about us weakens, but we have Jesus Christ who's going to change all that someday. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. What are the things that weigh us down in life? There could be a whole lot of things. And the sin which does so easily beset us. You know, there are transgressions that, you know, we think we have turned from, but then they come back again. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Can't get in a hurry. Get in a hurry, you, you stumble. I've kind of experienced that, you know, in the last few weeks, you know, having one leg that doesn't want to work with the other. And uh, we stumble. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we must be resolved to do these things. It is a new year, but it is also just a milestone. 2022. And you look back to the day that you were born and see, and see how far you've come. And there's another year that is out there. But make straight paths, verse 13, make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So we have to watch out for bitterness and some of the failings that uh, some might have and pray for one another Titus chapter 3 verse beginning verse 1 now Paul was writing these words to Titus who was a Gentile he was an uncircumcised Greek and his, his name is mentioned 12 times in the New Testament but he was a part of Paul's missionary uh, work part of the missionary team spreading the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ. Titus was in a place called Crete. That's an island in the Mediterranean. Now the Cretans there, they had become known as a depraved people in which there's this poet named Epimenides, I think. I don't know the Greek pronunciation correctly. He wrote that Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. So Paul expected Titus to remind the Cretan church to devote themselves to doing what is good. Put them in mind, he said to Titus, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. So there are you know, a few conditions there. If the magistrates are not doing what is right, it has to be every good work if, they, if the uh, Philippians want to uh, follow 
what is good. That they are to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, talking about us in our times past. We were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving different lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, verse 4, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared when Jesus came. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So we resolve ourselves toward that hope that is in Christ Jesus, that hope of eternal life. Verse 8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that you affirm. Once Titus to affirm these constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto all men. So as the years go by, as we look back to years past, to the times when we first heard the word, first heard the preaching, that now we are still being obedient to what we have heard. Doing things that are good and profitable. Verse 9, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. So this is a fitting message for all of us. Now, no person is absolutely perfect in thought and deeds. We all have weaknesses. We all have temptations. And sometimes we falter. That's why we need grace, loving grace, as the Father forgives and he guides his children, washed in the blood of his son Jesus, who is the perpetuation for our sins. Again, Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, where it says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. That is what Jesus promised his disciples and what our Father has given to us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Remember in Matthew 1.23, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we know that Jesus is God, that he is everlasting, and that he sits at the right hand of God, waiting for that day when he comes for his saints. So he's a good shepherd. He knows his sheep. He knows you and me. And as Jesus said, once upon a time, I and my Father are one. I'm going to 
there in your outline we have Acts chapter 4 which you know talks about Jesus as the salvation that there is no other name by which we may be saved and that in Titus 2 that is grace the grace of God brings salvation and in Galatians 5 just one scripture right the long the long uh, scripture too and I think you can probably read those that the law is fulfilled in one word and you know what that word is right four letter word love so we have to walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh now no one knows what the new year will bring we will likely see much of the same as the world you know turns cold and lawless as evildoers wax worse and worse. We don't want to be like that. In Matthew 24, we read about the Olivet Prophecy. He sat up on the Mount of Olives, verse 3. The disciples came to him, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of your coming, and the end of the age? Jesus answered, said unto them, First, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. So in the coming year, you probably hear about wars, rumors of wars. But he says, see that ye be not troubled. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in different places. But all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall, be, shall many be offended. Many are going to be offended and some are going to betray one another and are going to hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. So these, you know, prophets are like foreseers. And, you know, you see them on news channels where they're predicting this and that. And it all sounds good. And some of it uh, goes uh, according to plan and correctly. But they, too, shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end. So that's our resolve. Whatever we, whatever we face in life, we have to endure unto the end to see it through. The same shall be saved. And it says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto, unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So we can be prepared <clears throat> by living in the word of God, according to his truth, according to his will, and not ours, but letting the salvation of God work in us. If there is nothing else you know to go on as far as exhortation is concerned remember these words of Jesus Christ who said if you will enter into life keep my commandments and also remember the words of the preacher in Ecclesiastes in its conclusion who said let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man so let's be resolved Follow the word of God, to trust in God, and obey him in the year to come.